Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the reign of Asa as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. In chapter 14, we find the death of Abiah listed and the son Asa coming to the throne. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. The land was quiet for 10 years. Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the altars of the strange God, the high places. He broke down the images and cut down the groves. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, God of their fathers, and to do the law and the commandment. Now, you remember, under the reign of Rehoboam, they began to, he turned away from God, and the people turned away from God also, began to worship these other gods, began to plant these groves to, as places to worship God, build the altars unto these false gods and so forth. And so now uh, Abiah allowed these things to exist, and there was a commingling during his reign of, of, of God was still worshipped in Jerusalem, but yet there were people who were allowed to worship these other gods in these other ways. Now, When Asa came to the throne, he established a spiritual reform. He got rid of all of the idols and the images. He got rid of the altars that had been erected to these other gods. He cut down the groves. However, he did not destroy all of the high places where also they gathered to worship. He took away out of all of the city of Judah the images, the high places and the images. The kingdom was quiet before him. But he, he, it was not a complete thing. He had allowed some of them to remain, as we will read. He built fenced cities in Judah. The land had rest. There was no war. And there came up against him, or he had, those, uh, he had an army of 300,000 men from Judah plus 280,000 from Benjamin, or 580,000 men all told. There came up against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of 1,000,000, or a million men, 300 chariots, and they came to Merashah. Then Asa went out against him, and they set in battle array in the valley of Zephanah and at Merashah, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God. Now, here you're faced, you've got a strong army, you've got 680,000 men, but you're facing an army of one million plus the advantage that the enemy has of 300 chariots. So having placed the men in their battle positions, then he does what is the wisest thing you can do, is just cry unto God and say, oh God, we need you. Odds are against us. Whenever the odds are against you, it's good to have the Lord on your side. It's good to cry unto the Lord. Whenever you know that you don't have the strength for the battle, it's good to cry unto the Lord. And he cried unto the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or those who have no power. Recognizing that God doesn't need a big army. Recognizing that it's really nothing for God to help. It doesn't take away from God at all to help. No matter what your problem may be, God's able to handle it. It's nothing for God to help. 
We say, oh, this is a big problem. Oh, this is difficult. Oh, this is so hard. Not for God. We only look at it from our own human limitations. You can't really talk about difficulty when God is involved. Oh, Lord, it is nothing for thee to help, whether with many or those who have no power. Just as easy for God to heal of cancer as it is an earache. The only difficulty lies in our own concepts of God because we carry over to God our own human limitations. So many times we do think of God in an anthropomorphic way. He becomes a projection of ourself and, and we carry our limitations over to God. Now, I, this is true of all of us. I don't care how spiritual you are. You have each one placed the limitations on what you believe God does. If a fellow should come up without an arm and say, I was in Vietnam, grenade exploded, blew off my arm, would you please pray that God would give me another arm and a hand? Because it's inconvenient not having my right arm. And I want the elders to gather and pray for me that God would give me a new arm. And we, we'd say, now, brother, we know that God is able to do anything. But we would start rationalizing why God, you know, wouldn't give you a new arm. Because I have limitations on God in my own mind. Perhaps because I've never seen God put a new arm on somebody. Now, it doesn't mean that God can't. It doesn't mean that God wouldn't if someone would really believe and trust him to do it. It's not impossible for God to do. Break off a crab's leg. It'll grow a new one. We also always just break off their legs and toss them back so they grow new legs so we catch them again. An octopus will grow a new tentacle if it's cut off. Even an earthworm will grow a new end if it's cut off. But God loves earthworms more than he loves man. Because God will do that for an earthworm, but he won't do it for man. He loves starfish more than he loves you. It can grow a new extension if it's been cut off. We've got a, in our minds... And I confess, I do in my mind. I'm not going around praying God put a new leg or a new arm on people. And I, and I will frankly confess, I could not pray that God would in real faith. Someone came and asked me to do that. I, I, would, I would oblige them and I'd pray, but I really wouldn't believe that God was going to do it. I'd rather explain to them why God wasn't going to do it. <laughs> and yet... Yet, the bottom line is that it would be just as easy for God to do that as it would for him to heal that person of a sore toe. If God is going to put into operation his supernatural power in taking away your headache, 
That same power of God that could remove your headache could also give you a new leg, a new arm, or whatever else. Just as easily. The difficulty doesn't lie with God or on God's part. The difficulty lies on our part because we carry over to God the limitations of our own selves. Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or those who have no power. Help us, O Lord. His petition. Now, it is interesting, this is, in the whole prayer, there's only one petition, and this is it. Help us. The rest is just the acknowledgement of God, the greatness of his power, the glory of God, and so forth. And, and, and he does all of that acknowledgement of God, but he has one petition, help. For he said, we rest on thee. That's a hard position to come to, but yet it is a position that many times we are forced to because there is nothing else you can do. God, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. Now, I don't always come to this place of beyond myself. And thus, I don't always rest on God. It seems that as long as there is a chance to do it another way, I'll try. If another possibility turns up, another idea, oh, well, that sounds good, let's try it. And I usually don't rest on God until there is nothing else that can be done. I'm convinced that there is no way out. And then I rest on God. And I always don't rest too comfortably. Sometimes I'm still worried. Sometimes I'm still fretting. Pastor of our Bakersfield church called me the other day. He was going to a school board meeting. The church in Bakersfield has been growing very beautifully. They have now about a thousand members. And they've outgrown their facility in the downtown part of Bakersfield. So they're looking at a school to purchase $850,000. And when you purchase schools, they want all cash. And they had the $85,000 non-refundable down payment to submit their offer. But he was concerned that if they took their offer, what was he going to do to get the rest of the money on a 90-day escrow? <laughs> well, just trust the Lord, brother. <laughs> you know, it's nothing for God to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. And, you know, God can provide. Did he give you the 85000 Did he provide that? Yeah, well then, you know, what difference, you know, with God, it makes a difference 850 or 85. You think, I, you know, I would hate to think about losing all this money, God's people's money and all. Oh, you know, and he was, I know exactly what he was going through. <laughs> I know exactly what he was going through. Having difficulty resting on God. 
I mean, after all, $85,000 is a lot of bucks to put out. Especially if you can't come through the whole thing and then you lose it. How are you going to tell the people, well, the Lord led us to buy this school and, and then, well, the Lord let us down. We didn't get the rest of the financing and, and you know, we lost it now and we, with our 85000 Tough position for a young pastor to be in, a tough position for an old pastor to be in. <laughs> but why is it so tough to trust in God? Why is it so tough to rest on God? When we were going through our growing pains and we had entered into escrow on the first 10 acres here, because the lady had accepted our offer of 350,000 cash and we had $67,000 and we were in escrow on this place. As I would drive up from our other chapel and park over here waiting for the green arrow to turn left to go home, I would look over at these 10 acres and I would panic within. I would talk to myself, I'd say, Chuck, what are you doing to these people? <laughs> Things are going so great. The bills are all paid. You're in triple services. There's enough money to cover all of the needs. You've got, you're building up funds in the bank. But look what you're doing. You're obligating them to that 10 acres. And that's just the beginning. Once you get the property, then you've got over a million dollars worth of buildings to put up, plus over 100,000 in, in street improvements and all that. What are you doing? What if the whole thing flops? What if it fails? And I would sit there and start to sweat looking at this bare acreage over here as Satan would start to hassle my mind. And believe me, he would. And then the Lord would speak to me. And he would say, whose church is it? I'd say, it's your church, Lord. He said, then what are you worried about? I said, I don't know. And I'd have victory. Man, I'd cruise over the San Diego Freeway, just praise the Lord, it's your church, if the whole thing goes down the tube, Lord, your church down the tube. I mean, I, I just dumped the burden off of my own shoulders because I couldn't handle it. He'd say, who created the problem? You created the problem. All right, then it's my responsibility. Yes, Lord. So I said to the young pastor the other day who was so desperate, I said, whose church is it? <laughs> he said, well, it's the Lord's church. I said, who created the problem? Are you that fantastic a preacher that they're all coming to hear you? No. Well, then who created the problem of the overcrowded conditions? Well, the Lord did. Well, I said, it's his responsibility, his church. Why are you worried? Lord, we rest on thee. That's not always easy to do. 
but it's always so comforting when we do. Oh, how I love it when I get to that place of resting on the Lord. When I quit fretting about it, when I quit worrying about it, when I dump it off on him and say, well, sink or swim, Lord, it's your business. And I'm just going to rest on you. Now, God often brings us to that place of the end of our own resources that we might learn to trust in God and that we might learn to just rest on the Lord where it doesn't matter now what happens. If we go under, it's the Lord's church. Doesn't make any difference. Like Esther, if I perish, I perish. So, no, that's the worst that can happen, I guess. But it's his business, his church, and I'm just going to rest, Lord, on you. You know, God had in mind things that I never dreamed. God had methods and ways that I never thought about. I was consoling myself into the fact that it was a good buy on the property. We could spin off five acres, maybe. Because we would never need more than five acres. And so we could spin off five acres, and, and then, you know, we, we would be able to build our church on the other five. But we could recover over half of what we paid by spinning off the five acres. The board members have more faith than I. They said, no, we're going to need the whole thing. I said, oh, no, no, we'll never need 10 acres after all. My motto is think small. <laughs> so they talked us into not spinning off five acres. But instead, the Lord sold the corner for, for half of what we paid for the whole thing. Didn't take five acres, just a little part out of the corner. As Shell Oil called and offered us $150,000 for the corner. Paid off one of the notes. And God continued to supply. Each week, he'd provide enough to buy enough materials to keep the crews going. And we just kept going. So that by the time the church was completed, the whole thing was paid for. It's exciting to see God work, but it's even more exciting to learn to rest on God. I think that that was the greatest thing that came out of that experience in my life. I did learn at that point to rest on God because I knew that it was much bigger than I could ever handle. And it's still much bigger than I can handle. But don't panic, folks. I haven't handled this thing for a long, long time. I wouldn't dare to try to handle it. It's his church, his business. I'm just a servant. I would hate to try to manage or handle this thing. I don't think I could. I know I couldn't. But I'm just resting on him. 
because he's doing such a fabulous job of building his church. And it's just exciting to watch God work. Oh, Lord, nothing for you to help with many or those who have no power. Help us, oh, Lord, for we rest on thee. And in thy name, we're going out against this host. Lord, we're on your side. How opposite this is of so many programs today where we devise our whole program and then we say, okay, God, get on our side now and bless this program that we have all worked out. How many times do we find ourselves in that position of trying to get God on my side? I choose God. You're on my side, God. <laughs> now you get behind me, God, and you support every idea and program that I have. And you follow my instructions carefully, Lord, so that we don't get this thing botched up. Now, Lord, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And Lord, if you'll run over here and do this for me. And then when you get through with that, if you'll come back and run over here, Lord. And, and we think of prayer as ordering God around the place in order that he might do my will. continue with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of 2 Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Chronicles 14 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week, and may his words sustain you as you walk with him in fellowship. May your life be like a light shining in a dark place, that others might be drawn to that light and find the source of the light, even Jesus. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with great honor that The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. I want to encourage you 
to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal, and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.